Hello and welcome to True Crime Diary, in which we look back through the annals of true crime to discuss events that took place on this week in history. I'm your host, Mark Decano, and with me as always are my friends, Jed Lester. Hello. And Rue Turner. Hello. We want your reviews. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review and preferably five stars. And if not, you can always email your review to us at stuff at truecrimediary.co.uk or through our Facebook page or Instagram account. And links to all of those are available on our website, www.truecrimediary.co.uk. And in appreciation of every five-star review, we'll give you a shout-out in a future episode. So the date we're looking at this week is the 9th of March. And on this date in the year 1950, 25-year-old Welsh lorry driver Timothy Evans was hanged for the murder of his 11-month-old daughter Geraldine. He was also charged but not tried for the murder of his wife Beryl. There was only one small problem. He didn't do it. Poor old Beryl. (laughs) So, yeah, 10 seconds in, an innocent man is dead. Yeah. Uh, Right, yes. Yes, right, sorry, I'd forgotten about that already. I was about to say, oh my God, a a Welsh murderer. Fair play, though. (laughs) Um, I'll say that's rather unfair to say, considering a woman and her baby are dead. Before an innocent man dies, two innocent, yes, other, yeah, even more innocent innocent people people. have already died before him. So, who are you suggesting did their murderers, murders, murdering? Well, I'll tell you. First of all, I'm not going to tell you. Okay, but let me tell you about Evans. I've never heard of Evans. Never heard of Evans. No. Well, we've mentioned we've mentioned him a few times already. Okay. What in this podcast? It, yeah, in the previous <laughs> podcasts, when we talk about the cases that have come to conviction that were instrumental in overturning the ah. death penalty ah. in Britain... I retract my statement. <laughs> I think I might have heard of Evans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he is the number one. In fact, um, in my own lifetime, I remember... Murdering car- a wife murdering. and a child. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember a cartoon... Uh, oh, yeah. Or a political satire cartoon in yep. newspaper. I can't remember which one. Tabloid. Um, when there was another outcry about bringing back the death penalty, as there are every so often. Nail them up, I say! Nail some sense into them! Oh, okay, yeah. And it was effect- basically it was um, the accusing finger of Tim Evans rising from the grave. Yes. Um, right. Okay. Basically, reminding everyone that sometimes innocent people yeah. get executed. So, we're, are we? We're not talking. A, are we talking about Derek Bentley, or we're we talking about what other? I think it's pro- cases, or is it? It's, it's all of them coming together, is it? Yeah. In terms of the abolition of the death penalty, yeah. they, it was cumulative. Yeah. But the number one that is always, they, you know, the flag is waved about is Tim Evans, and he is who we are talking about today. And he will have his his final company. One assumes will have been with. Uh, Friend of the podcast, Albert Pierpoint. Very much so, yes. Well acquainted with Albert really? Pierpoint. Really? Is that true? Yeah, yeah oh, definitely. Wow. Another one. Another one. Another notch <laughs> on the hangman's post. Very much so. I am counting. Evans, he was another one. Uh, again, he had the IQ, apparently, of about a 12-year-old. Okay. He was slow. He was very sick when he was young. He was poorly educated because he spent a lot of time having illnesses tended to. Yep. He could read it a little bit, but if he got like a letter, he'd have it read, no. read to him. So he could kind of he could see what wages he was paid on his pay packet, that sort of thing, but not a lot right. more than that. So he's not a very smart man. He's a small, slight man. Mm-hmm. 
Now, in September of 1947, he married Beryl Thornley. They met on a blind date in January of that year, and then they were married. And the following year, Beryl got pregnant, so they moved to a flat, a top-four flat in a house in Notting Hill in the Ladbroke mm-hmm. Grove area, in Notting Hill in North London. Right. Uh, and the address of that house was 10 Rillington Place. Ah. Wasn't okay. quite so up and coming at the time, though, I don't know. No, it, it, it wasn't, no. was it? So, we think no. of it, it's like, hang on, how did they it's afford a good, that? good time to uh, buy. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bad time to murder. <laughs> well, it turns out it was an excellent time to murder. <laughs> it's a terrible time to rent a flat. <laughs> yeah, where yeah. Is, um, where is, have we, like, Brillington Place, I don't know, have we been down that road? Is it? No, um, it was destroyed, mm. it was knocked down in oh, the was 70s. It? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> If you uh, if you search on Google Maps for it, it still comes up as Ten Rillington Place. Oh, it's, it's like its memory has not yeah. been lost. <laughs> so they move into Ten Rillington Place, top floor flat, and then they have gra- neighbours on the ground floor, John and yeah. Ethel Christie. You they want to keep an eye on Ethel? Um, <laughs> keep an eye. Sorry, who quarrels a lot? Tim Evans. Tim and Beryl. He's got a short temper. Yep. He's a bit of a drinker. He's a bit of a wastrel with his money. Always are, aren't they? They always are. It's probably all that stress from living a couple of floors above a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1949, Beryl becomes pregnant again with a second child, and now obviously they can't afford that, so there's more arguments. Okay. Eventually she decides that she's going to have an abortion. Now, abortion was illegal at the time. Okay. Evans has, uh, confides in Mr Christie downstairs that Beryl hmm. wants this abortion, and Christie agreed to assist them. How? He claims to have had some medical training. Oh, God. And apparently that's enough. Oh, Christ almighty. Really? Yeah. Meaning, assist as in, he'll do it. He'll do the abortion. Not, yeah. I'll yeah. do a ring around for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, because oh. no one does abortions. It's illegal. You can't, you go to prison. If oh, there must, have been, there must have been some sort of backstreet something. Yeah, but in, in this kind of manner, I should think... A friend of a friend who know, thinks they know something. Or... At the time, the fastest way to get an abortion was basically you had two options, a coat hanger or fall down the stairs. Oh, they God. were the... Yeah, it was not mm. not a nice time. Vera... Vera... Rum and milk. Vera Drake, is that right? Vera Drake, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> God. So they, when he says, I've got some medical training, I can help out, they go, okay, fine, do that. Yes. Evans goes out. But when he returns, Christy told him that uh, she didn't survive the procedure. She died. Hmm. So Christy tells Evans that Beryl died and he'll dispose of the body because it's illegal, obviously. And he'll make sure that Geraldine is cared for and that Evans needs to flee. So Evans decides he has to flee to Wales. So he runs back to Merthyr Tidville, where he's from. Why would he flee? Oh, know it well. Because he's accessory to an illegal abortion yeah. and, a, and manslaughter effectively someone right. died as a result of an illegal abortion and he was culpable as well and not being the smartest fellow I imagine right. Christie didn't have much trouble convincing him that he was culpable absolutely he's in shock he's not very uh, smart okay yeah so he flees but also because he's not very smart one of the first things he does when he gets to Wales is walk into Merthyr police station yes and confesses. Not informs them that someone has died, that, but that he... Yeah. He tells them, this is his first confession, his first of some. Yep. So he goes into the police station and says that he's killed Beryl. He said he killed her accidentally, but he gave her a drink to carry out an abortion. He gave her a liquid and she died and he disposed of the body in the sewer. He's confessed this. It's all nonsense. 
He's confessed this to the police. Yes, yeah, I was going to say. How oh. does he know all this? But anyway, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. They So the police take him into custody. Uh, he's held in solitary confinement for two days before he's handed over to the Metropolitan Police in yep. London. The London police perform a search, and I say the word search in the loosest possible terms, of the address. It's on a cursory wander around. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they like look through the window or something, because it was a terrible search. Paris spoons, Well done, Sergeant. But in this search, they check the sewers, and there's no traces whatsoever of a body or anything else. In fact, it takes three policemen to lift the cover off, so right. it definitely didn't put a body down there. Then Evan changes his statement. Then he says that, uh, actually, he tells what is thought to be the truth, basically. He says that um, Chris exactly. performed an abortion and died, and Christie got rid of the body. This is what he said, all of this stuff. Yeah. Right. So the police go to perform another search. This is now December 1949. They go to perform another search, and this time they find the bodies of Beryl and Geraldine in the wash house. So like an and Geraldine? The baby as well, yeah. Gosh. Sorry, what's the gap between the first and the second search? Uh, about a month. Oh, right. Blimey. Okay. So it's more of a euphemistic looked after. Yeah, yeah. she was taken care of. Well, also, in the in the month, there was a month had gone past, Tim Evans didn't yeah. think, so hang on, where's, where has she been cared for? Yeah. So then when um, Evans is told eventually that they found Beryl and Geraldine, yep. then he changes his statement again and he makes a new confession saying that he killed both of them. Oh, dear. Right. Now, apparently, he says later that he was afraid of being beaten up by the police. Okay. He was in shock at being told that his daughter had died. He didn't know that she died. Sure, yeah. Um, it sounds like some of the statements are given under duress. The the language used is that might be more appropriate for a policeman. It's quite formal, officious language used in his confession. Right. But uh, if he can't um, write, then... Or read. Yeah. Or... It, it will have been written by a policeman anyway. Yeah, but he wouldn't have used that kind of language. So they're, they're sure, not writing words. Yeah, they're writing their interpretation slash what they've encouraged right, right. him to say, kind of. Yeah. So it's a very dubious confession, but a confession nonetheless. And again, he's afraid of being beaten if he doesn't do what he's told. He goes to court. John and Ethel Christie are witnesses for the prosecution. I'm in trouble. They testify about the arguments. Christie is actually commended on his quality of his testimony, being a former special constable during the war. Really, really, really good. Uh, right, so he was looked, people looked up to him or he yeah. had gravi gravitas. He had gravitas. He did. He had a criminal record for like petty theft. I was say, he didn't have exactly a clean life, did he? No, no. He was a, he was a, a bit of a chance, a bit of a character. We'll talk about him a, a bit more. His testimony and the lack of evidence at the trial in terms of defence evidence. There was very little evidence in Evans' defence brought forward. And basically with his confessions and his changing of statements made him very unreliable as a witness. It basically came down to Christie's word against Evans. Yep. Mm. Because Evans said Christie did it. They tried to paint, the defence tried to paint Christie as, a, as the killer, but it didn't fly. So Evans was uh, found guilty of the murder of Geraldine and sentenced to hang. And on the 9th of March, 1950... He hanged, and his last words to his mum and sister before his execution was, Christy done it. Ah, interesting. Bit late, really, isn't it? Bit mm. late, really. Why didn't he say that before? 
Yeah, I can't quite understand why, if, like, why he would protect Christie. Yeah, it's a difficult one because he's flip-flopped, but after his second confession, which obviously his two confessions didn't match either, but his, um, so he confessed, first of all, to killing Beryl, then he said that Christie done it, then he confessed to killing them both, and then he said that Christie did it, and he said that right up until he was executed. Yeah, I, yeah, I just can't, I can't comprehend why it was only when facing the gallows that he said that Christie did it. Because what has he got to lose? You know? Yeah. Well, he's, he literally hasn't got anything. He's got nothing to go back to, let alone no. nothing to lose. Well. Flash forward, 1953. Mm-hmm. Three years later. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's a man named Beresford Brown. He's the new tenant of the ground floor flat at 10 Rillington Place. Okay. The ground floor, right? Okay, so where John? So for some reason, John Christie's moved out. He moved out a few days earlier. Okay. okay. Now Beresford Brown, he's the new tenant. He uh, is looking to install some brackets to hang up a radio set on the wall. Okay. So he's looking. He's looking around the room for where he can, you know, a solid surface. Uh-huh. And he finds oh, that one area of the front room. Tap is, tap. Tap tap. Tap tap. Yeah. <laughs> one area of the room sounds particularly hollow. Listen. Oh God. So he peels off some wallpaper oh. and finds a doorway. Never, never peel off <laughs> never wallpaper peel. in a dingy rented apartment. Never. Exactly, yeah. Never lift the floorboards. Never. So uh, he peeled back the wallpaper and found, or part of the wallpaper, and found a doorway underneath. And there was, oh, a, God. there was a hole in the door and he peeked through and inside he could see... Next door's <laughs> dining room. <laughs> <laughs> he could see the body of a woman. Right, okay. He could, in a... Well, obviously hidden away compartment. Mm. A larder cupboard yeah. that had been sealed and papered over. Meat safe. Obviously, I don't know what state that body was in, but it, you would just ordinarily assume that there'd be some sort of smell. But uh, Well, I mean, it's it's a larder, so it's a dry and cool and cold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Preserving. It's sort of keeping food lasting. So. Yes, right. Yeah, it's okay. where you hang a leg of... Lamb, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or or as a, someone else's a leg, leg a, a leg of woman. <laughs> so he goes, he goes to the the bill, the roses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they open it up and they find not one oh. body, not two. Oh, oh. they find hang on. three bodies in there. Three? Oh, hang on. It's like Don't a sale me. of the century prize. <laughs> well, I'm kind of thinking John Christie's wife, but who else could it be? Oh, apart from some random. Murdering. Who else could it have been? It's not Timothy's wife because they found her already. Yeah. Yes, they've, she. They've, she's accounted for. The child is. We haven't talked about anyone else apart from John Christie's wife. So they are Kathleen Maloney, Rita Nelson, and Hectorina McLennan. Oh, hang on. So they're not. Um, no. Oh, sorry. Right. Okay. They are recent additions. They are all in their mid-twenties. They are prostitutes. Oh. And they've all been killed in early 1953. So recently. So just before he moved out. Just before he moved out. Right. So they've not to been in there long. To have moved out. So the police go back to search again. This is their third search now. Yes. Rem- rather reminiscent of the Crippin search. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Back. <laughs> to be fair, those bodies were very recent, but even... True. So- they search and they find in the front room under the floorboards, as mm-hmm. is customary, 
They find classic Ethel Christie, her oh. body. They get under the floors, in the cracks in the walls. Oh, right, sorry, I'm getting all me Beryls and Ethels now. <laughs> right, oh, okay. Now, she has been killed in December 1952, so again, not long before. They kind of worked that out, did they? Yeah. From, uh, right. From mythology. Hmm. They keep searching, well, and they go out into the garden. I mean, I, well, I would. Not happy that they found four. Yeah, They're yeah, not happy yeah. they found four. They said, well, you know, you keep going. They find two more bodies in the garden. Yep. Those bodies have been there ten years. Really? Wow. Yeah, they're from 1942. So skeletons? Skeletons, yes. Now, as an indicator of how well the original police search went, the fence posts are being held up with a human femur. A femur just happens to be a human thigh bone. <laughs> just kind of leaning against it's literally, it. Yeah, yeah, it's wedged in under the fence to hold Jesus. it in place. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And who were these people? So he's uh, he killed uh, Ruth first in 1943. And then he killed... <laughs> Sorry, that was a that was a death joke. <laughs> uh, Muriel Edie, a friend of his wife, yep. in 1944. So that means that Ethel um, might have known about that because she was in, living in that house at the time. Might have known, or she suddenly said, oh, "I used to have two friends. They haven't been in touch recently." <laughs> well, yeah, quite possible. Perhaps she knew, and he made sure that. She didn't tell. Maybe, or maybe she, maybe she got uh, suspicious. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? It'd be one of those, wouldn't it? I think he says, knowing nothing about the case. <laughs> well, I mean, a couple of years have gone by since the death of Beryl and Geraldine. Yes. So it, maybe he got his uh, dander up. Hmm. You know, got rid of her, and then he could go out and get some younger models. Right. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's true because it was three of the bodies came after her. Yeah. Yeah. So, where have we lost track of where Christie is at the moment? He stayed in King's Cross for a while, and then he was basically sleeping rough, spending most of his time in cafes, bouncing around. Oh, yeah. uh, the police put out a be on the lookout for this man. An APB. And a policeman wandering across Putney Bridge happened to yes. see Christie leaning on the bridge, staring out over the Thames. Right. And he said, You're Christie. John Reginald Christie. Wow. And he arrested him. He arrested him on the spot. And all he had on him was a few coins and uh, an article about Tim Evans in his pocket. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Blimey. But the, um, he did for like some his reason trophies, I, didn't he? I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I um, I kind of got it in my mind that he's quite, he's quite well-to-do. But if he was sleeping rough and he'd... Yeah. ...bouncing around, then, but... No. Turns out that his uh, character is that he's a basically a to- he's, you say well to do. Well, he was a total loser. Basically, he was a hypochondriac. He was, uh, was weak. Uh, he had a stern father who beat him. Usual story. He was bullied by his sisters as well. Bullied by his sisters. He had a or he attempted to have a teenage tryst with a, a girl, but failed to rise to the occasion. Shall we say? With this girl, the girl told. Uh, friends about the story and he became he got a nickname of Reggie No Dick which is <laughs> <laughs> kind of fun okay <laughs> fine little Reggie No Dick he got mustard gassed during the war in the, the first, nice. first world war I should say when he was young he had hysterical blindness and that sort of thing shell shock so you know he's, he's got reason to be a hypochondriac he's frightened of everything when he got married to Ethel at 22 
they didn't sleep together for two years because he was afraid. Ooh. And then he gets a job in the special constabulary. How did he get that job? He sounds like the absolute worst person, possible person. Yeah, I mean, is, I think... is special constabulary much like the the specials nowadays in that it's not a police person? It's yeah, you're yeah, kind of a civilian police officer. Basically, yeah, you got limited, uh, you got very limited powers. PCSO. But I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. It sounds quite good, but it basically isn't. The reason he managed basically managed to become a policeman is because there was a war on. This is the Second World War. Right. That's what I'm now. saying. The anyone would get a anyone job get at it. anything basically. But of course, this weakling, this hypochondriac, this bullied man now has a, a, a position of relative power. You know, he's got a yeah. uniform. He's yeah, got yeah, yeah. some semblance of authority. Yeah. And so basically, thinks... basically, he would he would became a, like a petty tyrant. He was abusing his power. He would issue court summons for people because of like the tiniest blackout infringements and things like that. You will respect my authority. So this is a this is the kind of character we we're dealing with. Someone who's weak and not um, confident, poor with women, etc. And, and a a little and a power obsession. The the thing about his sisters was quite interesting that they they did bully him and sort of tease him about his weakness. But one of his first, well, I think it was he said it was his first sexual awakening was when he saw his sister's leg and he realised that he fancied her and found her attractive but he also hated her which is kind of a slightly awkward bit of psychological effort <laughs> and there was something later which I thought was an interesting parallel with uh, with someone else that we've mentioned before a couple of times um, the old Des Nilsson when he was Desi. when he was young you remember the um, the experience he had with his grandfather in the coffin? Yes. Well, Christie had a similar experience. I think, was it his father or with an uncle? I forget which relative it was. When he was asked if he wanted to see him again after he died, mm. when he saw the body, he was really happy and felt relieved. Yeah, and yeah. Kind of, there's, this, there's these strange moments in his life that you kind of think, I mean, they're all so easy to draw, you know, to draw lines between these dots later. Absolutely. I mean, you can see uh, his relief in presence yeah. of death, plus yeah. his his terror at his poor sexual prowess. Exa- yeah, exactly. That, that and he's putting strange the two together. combination of fear and sexual arousal and death. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he basically what he's done, it, what he did in later in these later years was he'd worked out that because of his fear of uh, intimacy, he needed to first. Um, Render his girlfriend, inverted commas, incapable or insensible. He came up with a plan. This is what he did. He would get a jar of liquid. And he would and he would say that it was helped to relieve Qatar, uh, you know, like a breathing, uh, uh, yeah. like a menthol thing. He'd get, yes, he'd get yes. a jar of boiling water and he'd mix it with Friar's balsam. But what he actually and then they were to inhale it. But what he would actually do is he would attach it to the coal gas pipe. So they would basically be inhaling carbon monoxide. God, oh, he would do that to who? To yeah. all of them. Yeah, his, his victims. victims. Yeah. So that basically, okay. it would be yeah. carbon monoxide. So they would be they would effectively be rendered unconscious, and then he he strangled them. They kind of needed to have had a, a cold at the time. Yeah. 
to say, otherwise they would have said why on earth am I doing this but um, I'm, yeah, sh- I'm the, sure it was offered as a remedy for all sorts of yeah, ailments exactly. and problems you know? and it, like now, now that it's assumed that um, Beryl, Mrs Evans, she would have had the same treatment but it was obviously it would be understood that it was probably part of the, a relaxant for the abortion to take place etc yeah. Anaset- oh, anaesthetic right. yeah, that sort okay. of thing doesn't matter what his story was it could change according to the moment i found a thing about killing ethel oh yeah killing i've seen that film killing, killing ethel <laughs> he strangled her in bed and wrapped her in the sheet that she was strangled on and then put her under the floorboards but for quite a long time kept writing to her family saying that she had strong rheumatoid arthritis so she couldn't personally write to them so he's doing the writing basically mm. and that, and continued to send letters and birthday cards and stuff like that in her name he emptied her ba- he emptied her bank account sold all her possessions including her the wedding ring and leased his the apartment to someone else fraudulently mm. To, to try and get some money, basically. Yeah, Beresford Brown was... Um, oh, was one of those... He's Ill- was a sub, he's sub-let Illegal it. tenants. Yeah, he was an illegal tenant. Right, yes, okay, right, okay. He said he, he was considered a respectable man. Well, he had a respectable demeanour, and again, he was a hypochondriac. He wasn't like a brash or anything okay. like that. He was a meek person. I wonder, I wonder if his um, wartime job was held in regard... Or if it was seen as kind of... Because to us, it sounds quite impressive, doesn't it? But yeah. would it have seen as uh, admin or, you know, that kind of... Yeah, I would say so, yeah. ...thing? Yeah, I would think so. It would have been relatively respectable. I mean, you know, people have more respect for authority and uniform in the, than, than, than now anyway. Yeah. So Christie was placed under arrest... Now, he did admit to the murders of the women in the alcove and of his wife. He didn't admit to the skeletons in the back garden until he was told that they found them. <laughs> oh, OK. Right. Didn't volunteer yeah. it. <laughs> he didn't volunteer it, yeah. yeah. He, he confessed to Beryl Evans' death. Mm-hmm. He denied killing the baby, Geraldine, although... He clearly did. <laughs> he clearly did. Um, I mean, all of them were killed in the same way. Strangled. Strangled. Yeah. And the baby and Beryl were both strangled and both wrapped and both kept in the same place. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was unlikely that they were done by two different people. But he probably didn't admit to that because he wanted to put in a plea of insanity and he didn't want to alienate the jury, you know. So he pleaded insanity. He tried to uh, get get off the death penalty, basically. But it failed. It didn't work. And he was convicted and sentenced to death. And Evan's mother... Uh, in July 1953, Evan's mother wrote to him asking him to confess all. He was interviewed and so on. They tried to, you know, get him to get more out of him, but uh, they didn't. He was hanged in July 53. My favourite part of it is that when he went to meet Albert Pierpoint, who had hanged yeah. Evans, he now would hang Christie. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was tied with the, the leather strap ready for the rope, and he complained he had a, a, an itchy nose. And Pierpoint assured him, he said, uh, don't worry, it won't bother you for long. (laughs) That's good. That that is quite literally gallows humour. Absolutely right, yeah. 
It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. For me, that's the best part. I've got a, uh, I've got a cure for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a proper cure-all. <laughs> it'll sort you. In fact, you'll never have an itchy nose ever again. Yeah, or anything else. Oh. <laughs> Am I right in, in understanding that he was hung not only by Fearpoint, but on the same gallows as Evans? It was Pentaville, so it w- yeah, it would have been. Would have been the same gallows. It might not have been the same rope. It's the same gallows. <laughs> the same equipment. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Next, obviously, this raised the question of Tim Evans. Yes, exactly. Quite rightly. Yeah. Now, it's interesting because there's been a few reviews about this. Just of the whole case. Yeah. Now, I, I would argue that all of them have tried to save the face of the crown because one of them said, well, he was tried for Geraldine's death only because they yes. only tried yeah. for one at the time. Yeah. But he probably did do it. And then another inquiry found that he probably didn't do that, but he probably did kill his wife, even though Christie confessed to that. So yeah. I think that I think the reviews generally are a little bit uh, pinch of salt, frankly. So uh, how when were the reviews like recently or a f- uh, few in the, years after that? In the sixties. So they knew all the facts at the time, and these yeah. reviews knew yeah. that it was absolutely beyond any doubt at all that Christie killed all, all of them. But it still came out with that language of yeah probably it probably did using the word probably yeah I mean Christie again he he was only tried because they only tried people for one even if you're charged with many they only tried for one he was only tried for the murder of his wife Ethel Um, and although Evans was charged with the murder of his wife Beryl and his daughter Geraldine he was only tried for Geraldine so you could murder one person or you could be a serial killer but you'd get this i mean all right the, the net result you both die but but the it doesn't matter it, it, it you could murder 100 people or one person yeah and you get the i mean i suppose if you put it right, yeah the punishment can't yourself. be any higher yeah no, they, they <laughs> exactly were, yeah, they yeah. were charged with the one most likely to get conviction but it they, makes a difference now because yeah. there is no death penalty so it's a, yeah. an amount of years but then yeah. it's Oh, he murdered a whatever little old lady, or he murdered seven hundred, yeah, innocent, whatever. Be, oh well, yeah. we're going to hang you then. He wouldn't say <laughs> oh, right. He wouldn't say you. He's went to prison to to serve fifteen death penalties. What? Well, that would be it. Would be comforting for the families of those who he yes, had killed to true. know that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not just an unknown death. It's like, string yeah. him up. Yes, Cut this man was string found guilty. <laughs> Yeah. We're going to hang him really a, hard. We're going to on a bungee rope. Yeah, <laughs> keep going. Yeah. Hey, up, hey, up. So it took us a while, well, like, didn't it? But we did, we did move away from the multiple death sentences, which we did do a while back before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just yeah. the one death sentence, and now to no well, wasn't, death sentence. Um, wasn't hanging and hang, hung, drawing, quartering. You know, that's a kind of persistent kind of yeah. No, we're and it, doing wouldn't, it. it wouldn't stop just because you died. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He would yeah. have, they would have no, died, no. I don't know, in the first 10 seconds. But no, we're going to parade him through the streets. And it, yeah. or, and, but I suppose that's along those lines of doing yeah. stuff for the, not for the sake, but to ward yeah. off. Yeah, I mean, like you say, that now, nowadays we have, we can do multiple 
charges just a, for multiple sentences, so, yeah, which yeah. might add up. But then they only charge with one. But they would use evidence in in the case in the other cases to support that yeah, yeah, that yeah. charge. So like you say, oh, we've got this man had you know, seven dead bodies in the house, so we're charging him with the murder of one of them. But we'd like the other six to be taken into consideration. Got it. Yeah, yeah. If he didn't do it, why is his house full of dead bodies? <laughs> yeah, all dressed, all wrapped in the same way. Yeah, exactly. So they pushed for a pardon, and it was granted. Oh, okay. Tim Evans got a pardon in October of 1966. I mean, you know, good, but <laughs> it doesn't yeah. Yeah. matters really, does it? No, no. I've got some uh, popular culture. I suppose the main ones, really, is the film and the mm. TV series. Oh, I can't think that I've seen the TV series. I've definitely seen the 1971 Ten Rillington Place. The 1971 film Ten Rillington Place is yeah. absolutely awesome. Yeah, it is. is it? Yeah. Who's in that? That oh, is Dickie Attenborough. Little Dickie Attenborough. Yeah. That's yeah. Mr. Mr. Christie. Okay. And someone who couldn't be more suited to play the role of mm-hmm. Tim Evans, uh, John Hurt. Yeah, uh, and he's really good. He's the really only thing good. failing in him is his Welsh accent. True that. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bit. It's almost a Welsh racial racial stereotype. It sounds like it's like Ivor the Engine. Oh, here's a how do you do? Owen's not awake yet. Give him a blow, Ivor. Yeah, it's a bit <laughs> cliche. It's a bit cliche. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it's, it's Speaking good. Speaking as someone who comes from a, a Welsh family not far from Merthyr Tydfil. <laughs> <laughs> and your Welsh accent is terrible. It is, yeah. <laughs> so, what? sorry, what's that film called? Ten Rillington Place. Place. Ten Rillington right, Place. Right. Yeah, yeah. And there was a very interesting technical advisor on that film. Um, a relative... <laughs> Albert Pierpoint. Friend, friend of the podcast, Albert. Albert Pierpoint. <laughs> yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Because he, because they could have, they could have asked him. So hang on, just let, us, just so we know, how did he do it, and what did yeah. he say? Yeah. yeah. And finally, there was a three-part drama commissioned by the BBC. This is in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, called Rillington Place, and it's got Tim Roth as Christie. Wow. Ooh, I haven't seen Sounds that. interesting. Yeah, hmm. and um, a, a less well-known Jodie Comer as Beryl Evans. Killing Ethel. Oh, Tim Evans was played by Nico Mir- Miralegro, <laughs> a nice good word. Welsh name. <laughs> and Samantha, uh, Samantha Morton as Ethel uh, Christie. Okay. So, yeah, it's a good cast. Um, it's very dark, apparently. And uh, it was quite criticised at the time when it came out because it does... It's not graphic, but it does depict um, a rape scene. Oh, right. Oh, so. The other thing worth noting about the, um, the Dickie Attenborough Rillington Place... Yes, sir. ...is that it was filmed in 10 Rillington Place. Yes, yes, it was, yeah. Pre- Which kind of adds a really, really quite sinister note to it. What, the whole thing was... Yeah. They just yeah. used it. Wow. They went they and filmed in yeah. the house, yeah. Yeah. Wow, so it was... They just hired it as a location. I wonder, presumably, no one would anyone been living in there. They probably were, weren't they? A flat. Well, it was rented. scheduled for demolition, wasn't it? Right. Okay. Yeah. It was in. The, it was the film was seventy one. It was so not it was... done in seventy seven, I think, wasn't it? Roughly. Oh, okay. So quite a while. So people would have been. Yeah. yeah. I mean, arguably, 
Arguably, it became famous because it was in a major film. Yeah. Do you think so? Yeah, and these things do tend to get forgotten until someone shines a big light on them. That's like... Uh... Although at the time, at the time, it was the most publicised criminal event since Jack the Ripper. Was it really? Mm. Yeah, it was massive. Yeah, maybe I'm being a little bit too generous to the film. It's, it's like... Uh... But I think it certainly would have contributed to the legend. Oh, yeah. It would have certainly uh, uh, given it new life, for yeah. want of a better phrase. Because people like to visit, not only do they like to visit sort of murder scenes and crime scenes, people like to visit yeah. the scenes of you know things that were shot in films. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, Star Wars. No one, had, uh, no one was talking about killing aliens before that came out. <laughs> a long-running yeah. long war with far-off yeah. galaxies. Now everyone wants to go to tattooing. <laughs> Via Hoth. Um, the, um, I mean, let's face it, if it was a London street address, we'd want to go there, wouldn't we? Yeah, Just go uh, yeah. Would, see it would have been already. Exactly, it would have been like a shot. You should see the, yeah, yeah. You should see the queues outside, what is it? <laughs> 221 Baker Street. What is it? 22... 221B. 221B. Baker Street, yeah. Honestly. Isn't that like a TSB or something? Um, it's a sandwich shop uh, next door, but then there's a kind of museum-y thing uh, on the so ground floor. You say, it's, oh, in sorry, this sandwich mean, shop, do they do they sell sort of maybe like a Dutch cheese sandwich? Is, you know, w- would that be Emmental, my dear Watson? Oh, <laughs> Does that even... <laughs> That's all for this time. If you want to know more about what we've discussed over the course of this episode, just Google it or something. You can see daily true crime updates on our Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. You can email us or you can support the show with a PayPal donation. And links to all of those are on our website at truecrimediary.co.uk. Don't forget to send us a review or post one in your podcast service if you can. And all five-star reviews will get a shout-out on a future episode. Join us next time when we'll be similarly discussing and digressing on another event in true crime history. Until then, my thanks to Jed and Rue. My name's Mark and we'll see you on the next date in our true crime diary.